Hello, welcome to the Tech for Good podcast. We are very passionate about two things, technology and our world. In each pod, we will be interviewing some fascinating people, business leaders, but those with a special interest in solving the biggest issues facing humanity today. Think the environment. Think healthcare provision during a pandemic. Think global social injustice. If you want to know more about technology's immense potential to fix and transform, then you're in the right place. In this episode, I speak to Jamie Burrows. Jamie is the founder and CEO of Vertical Future, a company delivering hardware and software solutions to the vertical farming sector. With demand for food production increasing with the world's population, this method of farming is seen as the future. It relies heavily on technology, and in the interview, Jamie talks about why data is critical to vertical farming systems. Plus, he tells us how a simple WhatsApp exchange with a friend led him to the industry. But first, I ask Jamie to define vertical farming. Vertical farming is, um, well, it can be quite broad. So essentially, if you're growing something on a vertical wall in your garden, you could determine that as vertical farming, uh, all the way through to growing in a you know, very contained lab-like environment where you're controlling all the different variables, either in stacked layers or on an actual vertical wall. Um, there's another side of vertical farming, and that uh, is what we call controlled environment agriculture, the area that we are actually involved in, and it's technically a subset of, of the wider vertical farming sector. But that, um, you know, those, those two sides of the spectrum show you how broad uh, the, the, the sector can be. Yeah, it's an industry that is, is growing, isn't it? Can you give us some scale of the, the size of the, the vertical farming industry? Well, I think it's, it's difficult to put a number on it right now, but vertical farming has essentially been around for decades, but really over the last 10 years, a lot of which has been driven by growth in the US, the sector has been, been growing at a yeah, pretty significant rate. Um, there are hundreds of, of vertical farming or controlled environment ag uh, countries, uh, sorry, um, co- uh, companies in different countries. Um, in the US, obviously, you know, we've seen the most amount of growth um, with capital raise being the, the main metric of, of success. So, you know, recently companies like Bowery have raised $300 million plus and um, some of the big investors, including Google uh, Ventures, et cetera, have been involved in that and, and, and others. Um, obviously, Amazon were involved in, um, in, um, in, in other companies in the US as well. So you know, plenty, Aerofarms. So they're the, the kind of big examples of um, success based on capital raising. But in many other markets, we're seeing examples of, of technology developers or creators like us, um, as well as growers. So a lot of the companies I just mentioned are, are more so growers, actually physically grow produce and sell it. Um, but also you're getting a lot of innovation across what I would say that the fringe areas, so not necessarily around producing food, but uh, looking at things like nutraceuticals and phytopharmaceuticals, uh, et cetera. So, um, but I guess um, simplest answer is, you know, market size wise, we're on the fresh produce size, we're selling into probably a $1.3 trillion a global market. Um, 100, 100 billion of that is probably um, leafy greens. So, and then on the technology side, that's that's another sector altogether. Okay, Jamie, really interesting stuff. And you mentioned a couple of the big tech players there, Google and Amazon. We're going to get onto sort of the role technology plays in this whole industry in a minute. But first of all, what are the problems that are being solved by this method of farming? 
we always lead with space as being the the lead value proposition for for, for the vertical farming sector. I think some of the the basic value prop propositions are things like um, non-use of pesticides or herbicides or fungicides. Um, obviously, in in traditional broadacre farming uh, methods, use is pretty rife. So yeah, I think you know that that that's an easy one. Food miles is an easy one that that uh, vertical farming is solving because obviously we're growing much closer to end consumers. Transparency, so being able to have more control and, and a view of, of what goes into your produce and where it comes from uh, is is very very important and that we're solving. But but yeah, going back to the land use point, you know our our systems we can grow the same amount as a traditional farm in about three percent of the space. And if you look at what's happening in the world right now, you know, deforestation, a lot of farm being um, allocated towards agriculture, albeit a lot of it is around beef and not necessarily vegetables. Um, space is going to be more of an issue in the future, and that's where I think vertical farming um, and other forms of controlled environment ag is really going to uh, to have the biggest impact. Now, tell us more about Vertical Future, your company. What what does it do, and, and maybe how how is it different? How how is it offering something new in this space? Sure. So, Vertical Future was set up in 2016. We are a technology-driven uh, company, so we design, build, and license um, proprietary high-tech hardware and software solutions. So, um, we effectively vertical farming is, is infrastructure. So, we we can go and uh, build a project from scratch, um, i.e., you know, the, the building itself, or we can go and renovate uh, you know an existing building and put a vertical farming system in or we can sell our container solutions we've got lots of different solutions so we sell our systems and then we we license our uh, our software out to to, uh, to customers which are now across the world and we also have a lot of uh, internal research and development activities so we've got um, three innovate uk funded grants and also a lot of non-funded non um, research activities as well ranging from seed genetics all the way through to water utilization um, and, and breeding and, and many other areas. Hello, I'm Daniel Brigham, editor of Tech for Good magazine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and if you want more, you can head over to techforgood.net for some compelling and thought-provoking stories. From high-tech insect farms that could solve world hunger to a global mission to counter the spread of COVID-19 disinformation, we've got Tech for Good covered. You can read and subscribe at techforgood.net. Technology has a huge has a huge role here, doesn't it? You mentioned the software there. Tell us about what what are the technologies first of all, and how are these technologies allowing you to do what you do. So our systems, about 80 to 90% of everything in our company is developed in-house. And we find that to be very important because effectively a vertical farm is a collection of many different technologies. And if you want to be able to scale efficiently, bring the capex um, down for, for systems and be able to effectively grow food in a sustainable way, but without pushing the price point up, you need to be able to control the supply chain and, and offer a lot more to customers. So. As an example, within our systems, if we if we break it down, you've obviously got the the steel structures, you know, i.e., the actual grown beds where we we uh, we grow the plants and and we have different forms of irrigation. Uh, within our systems, we have both aeroponics and hydroponics, which is um, we think a world first. So it's obviously important to be flexible um, as type of irrigation needs to correspond to the the type of plant you're growing and type of substrate being used. You've then got the lighting, so 
So if we're growing without any, um, within a, essentially a box with no natural sunlight, then um, sophisticated LED lighting is very important. And in our uh, systems, they're pr proprietary and uh, we have five different LED types that we can um, combine and deliver lots of different types of wavelengths and um, levels of intensity. Um, then you've also got things like sensors, so different types of sensors across the system. So the more automated the system becomes, obviously, the more important uh, it is to, to know what's going on without having to involve humans. So uh, anything from, you know, your basic kind of, you know, humidity and, and temperature sensors right through, through to things like uh, fluorescent imaging, where we're looking at the health of a plant in the non-visible spectrum. Um, we also use a lot of RFID tagging, so we create virtual maps of where all of our products are throughout the growing environment. Then you've got all of the other, I would say, we call them auxiliary aspects of a farm. So um, your, your seeding machines, harvesting machines, seed treatment, uh, and all the other aspects that aren't involved in that central growing process. So um, it, is a, yeah, it is a broad range of, um, of things involved in, in a vertical farm. And such a broad range of things generates i'm sure a huge amount of data how central is how central is data to what you guys are doing do you feel like you're using it well enough at the moment do you feel there's so much more potential to generate and use even more data yeah so we've probably spent about as much time and money on our um our SaaS platform diana than uh the, you know compared to our, our hardware um it's absolutely critical um for our systems our systems can run I, you know, as a, as a fallback position without the, the software, but the software is critical in terms of optimizing the growing environment, optimizing output and, and so on. I don't think this, this sector has really even, um, I mean, it's the tip of the iceberg when it comes to data. There's very little data um, from, for different uh, crop types, even being grown outside, let alone indoors. Um, there's very little nutritional data on, on crops grown indoors, bacterial data, um, many different things that you know we we're focusing on internally, but I know other people in the industry and research organisations are starting to look at. So, for us, as we as we build more and more farms and we create what effectively is a data network where we're sharing information between the farms, uh, we we see that as being the future. Um, and uh, and and you know to be honest, we yeah, we we don't even really know how far it could go um, and and how this data could be used and monetized. That must be tremendously exciting though, Jamie, like, <laughs> even though you don't know, obviously you'd like to know, but the fact that you don't know indicates that there's a really high ceiling here. The possibilities are surely transformative, aren't they, even to the, from the level that we're at now? Exactly, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people in the industry from a, a software standpoint have focused on very basic um, elements such as you know, controlling the environment. I think what our approach has been to also look at all of the much wider operational aspects and manufacturing components uh, involved in you know things like safety knowing when staff come in and out uh, being able to track a, a product from effectively when a seed comes in all the way through to a customer so you know that involves many many different data points um, also um, people management um, crm integration with um, different you know using apis to, to integrate with uh, different uh, financial uh, software so it's um, we're really, really going end to end, not just you know looking at um, some of the basic components around plant growth. And you know I think that that's what's required if you want a efficient and profitable uh, vertical farming operation at scale. And how important is sustainability as well? Not just for you and your customers, but also the farming industry as a whole moving towards sustainable farming. This type of farming has a big part to play in that, doesn't it? 
Yes. So I think one of the arguments we use is that if we're able to bring a lot of food production inside, we're um, able to potentially contribute to improvements in, in the level of bio biodiversity um, outside um, by reducing pressure on farmland, you know, assuming that that farmland's used for good, good purposes. So I think that's one angle. Um, if you've seen a lot of you know, David Attenborough's programs and, and the wider research that's been going on over decades now, um, you'll see insect populations are dying out, soils being degraded. There are, there are many, many issues. So while some people may look at a, a vertical farm and say, that's a factory, why are we growing food in there? Um, in many respects, we're, we're, we're doing things in a much more sustainable way. I think the, the issue and where the, the, the sector needs to learn is, is on energy. So um, depending on where your farm's located and what kind of energy at source you're using will depend on whether or not you know, your, your um, kilowatt hours per kilogram of product produced, which is really the main metric that um, people should be looking at, um, is, is, uh, is good compared to traditional farming. Um, we also go a lot further. So we look at things like uh, life cycle assessments that go all the way back to material extraction and the, you know, what, what is the cost to the planet of, of producing our systems from cradle to grave across, a, you know, a 20 to 50 year asset life? Um, what kind of materials are we using? Um, so so, so the, the sustainability argument goes way beyond um, simply carbon. Um, we also need to look at things like uh, chemicals and, and pesticide use, et cetera, as we mentioned earlier, human health and the impact of of having more sustainable farming methods uh, closer to consumers and, and um, also providing um, different socioeconomic groups with access to fair, you know, fairly priced healthy produce. Um, that's obviously, it's quite difficult to quantify, you know, what's the, the benefit of that from a sustainability standpoint, but it's nevertheless something that we should be looking at. Do you want to keep up to date with the latest in enterprise, technology and digital transformation? Visit digitalbulletin.com for news, long reads, thought leadership, and so much more. That's digitalbulletin.com. Great stuff, Jamie. Now I'm going to change tack a bit. I'm going to ask you about yourself now. I'm interested in how you, you came into this space, a bit about your career. Are you a technologist who moved into this area of farming, or you, do you come from a more kind of agricultural background? What, what is your background? I'm definitely not a technologist and I'm not a farmer, so uh, I have a very non-traditional background. I, I left school at 16. I did uh, about four years in the, in the US Air Force, uh, at the Air Force Academy. Um, left that, didn't, didn't want to actually pursue a career in the military, came back and got into economics and finance and did about uh, 10 years in um, different consulting organizations, so uh, EY, Deloitte, um, also worked in economic regeneration. Um, started a PhD in health economics as well, got really interested in the interaction between health and um, food and technology and vertical farming just seemed like a really good bridge uh, between all those. And um, my wife, Marie, uh, came from a you know, similar background in terms of, of, of health and research. And um, we heard about this um, or about the sector uh, from a friend uh, years ago and we thought, you know, we could we could apply it in a, an interesting way. So um, the rest is history. That's really interesting. Was this was this a chat in a pub or something, or was this a friend who is working in, in another industry? How, how was that? Can you remember that conversation when you first heard about it? Mind, I, think, I think it was a WhatsApp, uh, if I remember rightly. I could probably go back, but considering how many conversations we've had uh, since in the last you know five or six years, um, it'd probably be hard to find that conversation. <laughs> no, for sure. 
and and finally, Jamie, really, you clearly have a passion for it. Do you, have you felt that passion grow over, over, as you've learned more about the industry, as you've been working in the industry, as, as you've grown the company and been CEO? How, how have you? How's your personal kind of passion grown? Would you say? Uh, yeah, I think you know I've always been passionate about it. Um, when when we set the company up in in 2016, we you know we we bootstrapped it, had very little money. Uh, you know, my, my wife and I had two small kids at the at the time that were um, you know one and three, and we had you know one one and a half staff supporting us. So we really grew the business from nothing. So we had to have the passion and the drive uh, to push it forward. Uh, obviously, in recent years, since you know we raised some capital and started to. Actually, get a lot of projects and, and revenues. Um, obviously, the team has multiplied, and you know we should we should be up to about sixty staff by the end of the year. Um, I would say that the passion is um, the same, if not greater. Um, you know, you look at things a bit differently as as a company starts to grow and you get more more people behind you. Um, but nevertheless, you know, this has been something that we've uh, really been uh, committed to since uh, since inception. And what what's your personal? goal or, or, or mission really for, for the for the future as CEO of the company looking forward what do you want to achieve over the next five ten twenty years like what, what ultimately do you want to achieve for vertical future I think we just want to support people uh, people and uh, the planet with having better uh, infrastructure and uh, our ultimate goal is to improve population health and to reduce food and health related inequalities and that's quite a grandiose uh, goal that's quite difficult to prove also from a research standpoint or an evidence standpoint but nevertheless it's it's something that um, we think you know health should be the health of the planet and health of the people should uh, should be the ultimate goal for this uh, sector at least you know, we believe that was the tech for good podcast listen subscribe and rate us on spotify apple podcast and stitcher